So I'm going to change gears, which is a little awkward, but uh, we've, been, we've been working through the book of Galatians. I'm going to take 20 minutes so you don't have to worry about me being here too long, which means I have to move quickly. We're in a really great passage. Uh, it's, 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 cha- it's the end of chapter 3. It's the beginning of chapter 4. And chapter 3 is, uh, <laughs> has got to us all. It certainly did last week, got to me. We're kind of at the end. And I'm just going to jump right in without a whole lot of introduction because I'm, I'm limited on time. So if you, you roll with me for a few minutes. If you've never been here before, we're going to sing a couple songs when I'm done. I swear I'm just moved by what God's done this year. I threw out tennis balls and I made a bunch of jokes, but um, I'm personally privileged to be a part of seeing God do something. And I recognize some people, I'm I'm sure I missed a bunch. Uh, I don't know if you've done this much before, but it's a privilege. So we'll continue to count at that. Let me read this before I get all teary and jump. Um, Verse 26, chapter 3, for all, for For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Let me read that again just slowly and comment on it a little bit. For you are all children. Actually, a better translation would be sons. NLT fixed it so that ladies in the room, you know, would get it. Like and they said, so we're all children. But I actually think, I mean, I know sons is a better translation because that's how it was written originally in the Greek. Um, and, and what I want to say to you, particularly ladies, what, what the really cool part about that is he's saying, for you are all sons. He's not, he's not like putting down gender. He's actually saying in that day, only the sons had rights. The daughters didn't. The ladies in that culture were held down. And he's saying, hey, we're, we're all on, e-. he's even-handed. He gives you ladies, the same privileges that he gives sons. So when he calls you sons, he's not actually saying that daughters are less. He's saying you're even nobody in that culture. When this thing was written, this is what's so stupid about the criticism of the scriptures to women. It was, it was liberating. Nobody had ever written anything like this before. So he's not knocking on ladies. He's actually bringing you even and equal. It's a beautiful passage. We're all children of God through What? Not through our own work, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So when you believed, you had the rights of a son. It's beautiful. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Another translation. I don't love the translation here. It says, close yourselves with Christ. So this is picture as if, as if, if uh, you got your designer outfit on. Outfit. I ain't never wore outfit in my life. Your shirt and pants on, and, and, and it's got Christ. All that's as if you got a big emblem on it, like instead of an alligator, which was like in the, what, 70s, 80s, whenever I wore alligator. What are we wearing now? We've got Nike or uh, uh, that's all we wear at my house. But anyway, it would be as if it's Jesus. You're pulling Jesus on as, as your outer garment. You're covering yourself with this idea of Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of uh, something that is most precious to us in this world. 
Our, st- our clothes. Our clothes. I mean, I, I got a closet at the house. I got a little closet. Sure, I got like this big closet. That's, you know how it works. Because we got to keep all our clothes in it. I, got, I get two drawers. She gets like eight drawers. But there's, I got all my clothes in there. My favorite part of that, I got some Nike socks. In there, and then when they stay nice and black, I love them. I got them on right now. Nike socks right there. I love them socks. <laughs> just like them. That's, that's me. Black socks. That's just me. That's who I am. So he says, clothe yourself with Christ. I want you to catch this. He, he's actually, you project who you are by what you wear, right? All right, some of y'all are going to wear camo every Sunday because we're in red, but that's who we are, all right? That's cool. That's who we are. And some of y'all kind of on another, you know, y'all always going to look good because, not that camo doesn't look good, but just this, <laughs> y'all always going to look good because that's kind of who you are, right? In, in my case, I'm kind of conservative until I buy shoes. I buy shoes with a little flash to them. Cheryl, on the other hand, ain't never conservative, right? She's going to have all the accessories and all, all that. She got like a whole file for accessories, right? <laughs> I didn't know what accessories were. I got a ring. Anyway, um, kind of who we are. Some of y'all are just sloppy. I'm sorry. That's who you are. I mean, we, we know. That's all right. Amen. All right. It's not. It, 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 it says in a lot of ways who you are. And one of the interesting things, if you see a family, a lot of times folks in a family kind of have some similarity in how they dress. Right? You could kind of tell a Reeves kid um, by uh, especially going to school, when they get out of the car, you know which one's the Reeves kids because they all got on athletic shorts and a T-shirt and, and, uh, every day. It's athletic shorts, winter, fall, it doesn't matter. Athletic shorts, that's, that's the Reeves kids. And there's this beauty of identification. When we put on Christ, we, we look like family, right? Even though we all come from different places, we look like family because we put on Christ, and he becomes a part of our identity. He, as a matter of fact, this passage is going to teach he becomes our identity. One of the things that I loved about the clothing picture, it's, it's a metaphor, but I love it because, you know, you're basically all, always wearing clothes. Always. You put them on, you change them, but, but, but you always wear them. I mean, showers, unless y'all sleep in the nude. That's just, don't, don't, don't raise your hand, all right? Just, but... <laughs> You know, you wear your sleeping clothes, and, and you got this variety of clothes you wear, but you're always clothed. And really, the picture that he's trying to paint is that you put on Christ once and for all. You're always clothed. But what I love about that is that we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit at the beginning. When you meet Jesus, you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You will always be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, every day, I start, I get up, I go pick my clothes for the day. You know, in America, we have that privilege. We actually have to make a choice what clothes we're going to wear. So, so there's also this putting on. It, it's like it's always clothed, but there's always, because that's the, the basic principle. I don't leave the house not being clothed, right? That happens every day. But, but on a different days, I put it on. And, and biblically, there's this idea of filling of the Holy Spirit where on a daily basis, we go before God and we ask him through his Holy Spirit to fill us. We, we put ourselves in submission to him. We say, we're going to run your play today, not our own. It's a beautiful picture of being clothed in Christ, connected to him. So he says, there is no longer, because of that, there is no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So here's the cool thing. We sit at the dinner table because we're clothed in Jesus and we're connected to the Father all the distinctions go away, though we remain distinct. We're all sons 
of the Father, which means we have rights as sons. So that means when Cheryl and I go to the table with the Father, he sees us both as sons. And that doesn't make her less feminine, right? She's still distinct. Believe me, the much better looking piece of the Reeves family right there because, because she's a lady. I don't know. The Lord was bored with us. But anyway, he, we're a little bit more creative with the ladies. And there's this distinction between us. But when we come to the Father's table, when G- Jesus paid the price and clothed us in Christ, we're the same. We're equal. You, you, see, you see the difference? He, he, he speaks to gender, and in that day, gender was bigger than any of this. Ladies were so low in the culture. They were, it was a bigger discussion than any of us. I mean, he changed all the rules by dying on the cross. There certainly were race issues. Um, in, in those days, it wasn't like our country where the, the race issues were back in, back in the day and continue to today, if some of y'all think we're, we're beyond it where uh, one race looks down at another race. In, in their case, it's, it's the Jews looking down on their captors, which is kind of funny. The Jews are the slaves, but they look down on their captors because they're arrogant about their race. And so they would separate and see themselves as better and more right in God's sight. And, and Paul's like blowing up something that's huge. He's saying, hey, 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 race means nothing at God's table. We're still distinct I mean, Jews still have some of these songs where you got this, they don't dance really like Derek does. They have these little, like, little, little dances where they dance like this. Right? And the Jewish culture has that dancing. If you, you go to black culture, and basically Derek didn't represent y'all at all when he danced. I mean, <laughs> but but th- there's, there's a little different sound there. And you, you come to some of the white cultures, and it's like, <laughs> you can't get them wrestlers to clap on time. Yeah, I mean, it's just... So they, they wear out, you know, it, it's just, it's this variety show, and that's part of the beauty of it. We have all these races at the table with the father at the end, and he looks down the table and he sees everybody as sons. No distinction. Yet yeah, distinct. We still like different stuff. As our, group, as our group grows more diverse, I imagine some stuff we do on stage will grow more, more diverse. That's the way it should be. But at God's table, it's all sons, and he celebrates the differences. I do that at my table. Celebrate the differences in the Reeves kids. It's beautiful instead of complicated. There's race there, there's uh, gender, and there's certainly socioeconomic. He speaks about the slaves and uh, the free. I don't know if you know the history of the church much, but if you read the book of Titus and you could do a little research, you actually have this idea that in, in Crete, where Titus is, is serving, It's a guy named Titus, and he's serving on this island named Crete, that a lot of the slaves would be the elders at the church, and their masters would come to the church and submit to them. Go back to work and flip it. They go back. You're going, whoa, did did Paul not want to hammer down on slavery? Why did it take so long for us to blow that up? Well, bro, this is the seed. That stuff doesn't just change overnight. Paul couldn't have just written. This is the seed that changed everything. Where do you think, ladies, you got a right to vote? Right here. It's the beginning, the scriptures. Where, I mean, where does William Wilberforce get his, can't say that word very fast, but where does he get some of that stuff where he pushed back on? Like right here. The seed was right here where, where God says in his eyes all are equal. Um, not only from creation, which is also true, but particularly in the church because of the blood of Jesus. If you got a different view, you got the wrong view. I'd be happy to have that discussion with you. There is no difference. Gender, race, 
socioeconomic. We're equal in God's sight. Um, verse 29. Now, actually, the last phrase of 28 is, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. It's a great line. We're all one in Christ. And we're, we're united in the good news that I can now call the guy at the end of the table, God the Father, I can call him Daddy. Derek can call him Daddy. Tessa can call him Daddy. Everybody can call him Daddy who is related to Jesus. It's, we're united in that. So there's a celebration at the table because all the rules change. We're celebrating as a family because that's our Daddy. We also celebrate and we're united in the bad news, right? We're all lost. Everybody in this room's a sinner. Just because I'm up a few inches doesn't make me any better. All of us, we've talked about that. The law comes in and it proves to every one of us that we could not get it done. We can't please God with our lifestyle outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. So we unite in our misery. You ever had somebody commiserate with you? It's awesome when you're like down in the dumps and you're like, oh, your life stinks too? <laughs> Good, come on, let's cry together, right? I mean, you see that at most local bars. Dudes are sitting there by themselves with no woman, right? And they're crying because, why? Because they're by themselves, right? Let's commiserate. Let's get drunk. We don't know nobody. And I'm sorry, yeah. Well, when we were away from the table, we could commiserate. We could not call God the Father our daddy. We had no access to us. So now that we're at the table, we celebrate where we came from and where we are today together. We're a family. So when uh, Doug and I were cooking for the, for the seniors on Friday, this guy named Dwayne from Centerpoint came up and started helping. Guess what? So what? He goes to Centerpoint. He's a part of the family. He grabbed, he started working. We just did it, did it together. Beautiful. We're supposed to work. He says in the last verse, we are heirs according to a promise. Let me read it from the NLT so I'll be accurate. And now uh, that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. If you haven't been here, you have to listen back to catch some of that. I can't go into it today. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Other translation says, you are heirs according to a promise. So here's what it means. If you believed, then you got written into God's will. Can't change that, Jack. No failure in your life. Nobody's, nobody pointing their finger at you saying you less than. You're heirs according to a promise. It's written in the will that when you joined the family because of the blood of Jesus, what did you have to do? I had faith that Jesus saved me, and I was welcomed into the family of God. You can't take my rights as an heir away. You know what heir is? It's somebody that gets the promise. Back in the day, only the oldest son would get it, right? So Isaiah Reeves, my 23-year-old, he'd get all my wealth, which would be disappointing, but that's what he would get all of it. <laughs> and then he'd decide what to do. Everybody else left out. I got six kids. The oldest son, he gets all the wealth. That's how it was. He changed the rules again. He said, you're all heirs. That means all the boys in my house, you're all heirs. We all come to the table like the oldest son, like we, we deserve, in essence, because of the cross of Christ, the rights to receive everything the Father wants to give. <laughs> That's good stuff. I'm going five minutes over. Let me read a little bit more. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance to his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. 
even though they actually own everything their father had. They had to obey their guardians until they reached whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came, and we were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of the world. I don't know if you're catching back in the Roman world, uh, most of the time at four, till you were 14, particularly if you're from a wealthy family, until you were 14, you were, you were treated basically like a slave. A slave would tell you what to do all day. And they would train you. You do whatever they say. And if you screwed up, they whip your tail, right? Totally cool in that culture. <laughs> Probably needs to be cool in our culture. But anyway, um, this, so they were, they, in some ways, they were less than slaves. They were a child of the father, but they were told what to do by a slave. So he's saying, you know, you were like slaves. And then when they turned 14, they got some rights. And when they turned 25, they got full rights as sons. Um, and what he's saying to us is that's kind of how the law worked. The basic principles of this world. You have to work for what you get. You work for everything you get. You go to McDonald's, you make whatever, $8.75, you get a check. They give you a check at the end of the, uh, the week, and you get the basic principles of this world as you work for what you get. But he says, the father overrid, rode all that, overrid, ridden, rodin, something. He over, <laughs> he changed it. Um, and he gave you rights as sons. You got this gift. You won the lottery because of what Christ did on the cross. Last couple verses, and I'll quit. We'll bring the band up. I'm rushing. This is good stuff, but it's the right thing. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we, he could adopt us as his very own children. Anybody ever seen Ben-Hur? Last week we did, well, we, we need to work on our classics around here. All right, so Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur's got Charleston Heston. It was in 1959, but it's worth the watch. They made it color now. It is, it is stout. It's like three and a half hours, and it's still cool, all right? But Charleston Heston, I won't tell the whole story, but he, he gets taken into slavery, and he saves this guy's life who ends up being a very wealthy Roman. And this Roman wealthy guy has no children, and he makes Charleston Heston his heir. It's a beautiful ceremony. It takes a little while, but lots of pomp and circumstance. But at the end of the day, this guy goes from being a slave to being one of the wealthiest people in the world at that time. All right? So when we talk about being freed from slavery, we're not talking about walking out of jail and just walking free and having to find our own way. When we talk about Jesus saving us and connecting us to the Father, we're talking about being freed from our sin and elevated to the status of the wealthiest man in the world. It's that extreme. I mean, it's cool to be set free and go figure out life and become your own man, but we're going from zero to, a, to infinity in seconds because of the blood of Christ, and that's exactly what he's talking about. He's taking that Roman picture, which he's seen before, like Charleston Heston in this movie, and going from slave not only to free, but to sonship. I'm a son of the Father. I'm talking about. That's good news. How do we get that? He says, uh, God sent his son. Remember that son's name? Jesus, Jesus, born of a woman, just like us. 
All God, all man, hard to understand. Born of a woman, subject to the law, just like me and you. We wake up in the morning, you work, you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. You work, you eat. It should still be this way. Sometimes it's not. You don't work, you don't eat. That's the way the world turns most of the time. Jesus was born into that. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. He paid the price through Jesus. That was kind of the legal part. All said and done, he filled out all the paperwork and he adopted us as sons. Again, ladies, I want you to feel that as a positive. He adopted us as sons. It didn't take away your distinction, but he brought you into a position of being an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Verse 6. So Jesus does the legal work by coming and dying on the cross. We, were, we, we celebrate that every Sunday by doing communion because that cross changed our position. It took us from slavery to sonship. But here's kind of cool little part, verse 6, and we'll quit. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit. So he sent the Son to do the law work. He sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts promptly to call out Abba Father. Abba Father. What's that mean? There's this emotional daddy right here. It's this, the Holy Spirit takes what's on the docket to say you're a son based on the paperwork you've been paid for by the cross, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and he brings this thing in where it just makes you want to rejoice. You ever heard a little kid yell, Daddy, you'll see someone until you come down the hallway, you want to witness a little bit, little kid will come running out there and say, Daddy, and he'll grab somebody's leg. It's a celebration of who the daddy is and who the, how, this free relationship they have with one another, and there's this sprint. It's, it's, if you're a daddy, those are great moments. The Greek word actually there uh, indicates passion like a loud cry, like, Daddy, 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 like from a young child, not from an adult child that's got to go, hey, Dad, you know, you know don't hug me in front of everybody. <laughs> but uh, it's like, like a young child. And so the Holy Spirit is sent to give us the freedom that we have as children to look down to the end of the table and say that our Father passed the mashed potatoes. That much freedom where you could speak to him almost as an equal, like pass the mashed potatoes and, and the sweet tea. And, and the reality is on a bad day, you can go corner him in his bedroom and say, Dad, can we talk? What? Dad, can we talk? We're talking about God here, who we were separated from. We can walk in and share our deepest, hardest moments and just put them right in front. You talk about worship. <laughs> Abba Father. Some of you in this room, I can't read this and not, not identify that our world is full of uh, families without dads for a variety of reasons. And some of you dads, you got kids that aren't here today, and you, you know the pain. There's, there's, there's lots of pain there where we wish all that was just, we wish it was all right. And I, I wish we could just fix it. So I don't want to talk about daddy and not, not even touch on that. But what I want to say to you is even some of those wounds and some of the pain there highlights the beauty of this. What you, you feel sometimes in your heart that you miss, God is saying, I'll give you that. I'll be your daddy. I'll be your daddy. 
And when the church really works right and we have kitchen table activity, then all of a sudden some of, some of us can be at a small level a substitute father because we're family. So we, some, some of us old guys has been down the road and we, we'll share that with you. So this, I wish we could fix all that, but that's in our moment to fix all that. This is our moment to celebrate a dad who is completely true completely true and welcomes you at the table and gives you freedom to have direct access to him. Last verse and the band's going to come up. Verse 7. Man, that was quick on something really cool. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child. I love it when the writer, he sums it up for us, right? I don't even have to sum up. You are no longer a slave but you're God's own child. And since, since you are a child, God has made you his heir. He just walks you through it. You were a slave, now you're God's child. And because you're a child, you inherit everything. What? That's, I ain't never clapped on stage before. That's just good news. That's good news. So, so let's just quit with this. So how do you act? You act like a slave or you act like a son? How you act? What's that mean to you? We walk out the doors. We're going to sing in just a second. This first song, I want you to sit and listen to the words and stand up when you want to. But if you believe that, how do you act? Because tomorrow when something goes wrong and you got God the Father at the end of the table, what you going to do? You're going to tell him. Tell him what's going on. Or you can go back into your little self-pity stuff. Stuff seemed like the right word. Um, <laughs> and really worship yourself. And try to figure it all out. Or you can take it to the Father. It's a privilege. Jesus, thank you so much for paying a price on the cross. So that I didn't have to. So that we didn't have to. Thank you that I'm now called, I don't even get that phrase, a joint heir, that I'm, I come to the Father's table like you do. I, I don't even understand that, but I'm thankful. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming in and on a given day just causing me to cry out, helping me truly understand emotionally my status with the Father. We love you. We'll celebrate you with these songs. Thank you for what you've done with our church and for the little bit of good news we've been able to give to Red Bank. We look forward to a summer and then another school year where we get after it. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.